everyone and welcome to another special episode of Dead Men Talk. And I always love it when I can bring a fellow writer on. I, I love having all my guests on from all walks of, of the creative spectrum, as it were. But I, I love it when I get to speak to a fellow writer and kind of get into their head. And uh, and, and one has, uh, has come onto my radar recently. And uh, it's actually um, someone whose book I am reading at the moment. And I, I'm really, really loving it. So I'm, I really want to get into talking about the story behind her story. I introduce uh, Henya Drescher, the author of Stolen Truth. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris, very much. Pleasure to be here. And yeah, it's great to have you. Great to have you. And um, yeah. I, um, I think when when you first got in touch and you, you kind of and I found out more about your your backstory, you know, regardless of of the story that you've written, your backstory, uh, I, I know you've got a, a real kind of interesting tale to tell along the way. Um, so I think. The best thing to do, like I normally like to do, um, obviously I've introduced your book Stolen Truth, um, and so it's not the only writing that you've done. So let's kind of wind it back to the beginning. When did you, when did you first discover writing or decide that you wanted to start writing for yourself? When did that begin? Okay, so I'm not going to pull out the violin and tell you <laughs> a sad, sad story. But I was a very lonely child, and that was, uh, I didn't have any friends. Books were my friends. Um, so I pretty much emulated myself, my personality, to my, the characters that I admired. Um, and I had a lot of pent up stuff that I needed to talk about. So sure. we'll go back to I was raised in Israel, I was born in France. And my parents were Polish and they were um, Holocaust survivors. Wow. So they, they came, they brought me and my brother, my brother into a, a very troubled world, yeah. you know, their world, because yeah. they never really got over that hump, you know, and, and, and were able to enjoy life to the fullest because that horrible thing in the mm. past. So needless to say, they didn't know how to raise, I'll talk about myself now. They didn't really know how to raise me. Um, so I was left to myself to mm -hmm. fend for myself since I was very, very young. And so I had a lot of emotion that I needed to an outlet. Mm. And I started writing. Actually, I started reading at the age of three. Wow. And um, yes. And because uh, language was always something that I, that I was very interested in to be able to express myself, to yeah. be able to read, to be able to, to get into the, these different worlds, these beautiful worlds that, you know, mm. the amazing authors are able to paint. Yeah. And so I through them, I learned a lot how to express myself. So I wrote poetry and I'm going back, because I started reading at the age of three. And then I really started writing, I think at the age of 10 or 11 somewhere around there so I started to write poetry and of course it was sub stories and mm. and um and stories of heartache and loneliness yeah. and and I think that writers really the the, the most um basic human feelings come from pain and you I'm know most that. great writers yeah yeah, yeah, I'm with I'm with you there. And whatever you turn it into, in the end, it's come from almost the same place. So whether it ends up being like a romance book or even children's books, really speaking from experience, um, 
you know, it, yeah, it probably comes from these real sort of guttural sort of feelings you've got inside somewhere, you know, and uh, it, it's how they man how you right. manifest them and how you control them, I suppose, isn't it? So, uh, what, yeah, what's um, so, so what you, you started reading at the age of three, what were some of your favorites back then that you grew up with then? Well, uh, since I grew up in Israel, so of course I will not tell you anybody, it was mostly Russian writers. Dostoevsky, you know, as such. Yeah. Um, War and Peace, which I've read over and over again. Wow, okay. And actually, I never read it in English, though. I really oh, okay. should read it in English. I probably get a different view. Yeah. yeah, so Israeli authors, Amos Az, prolific writer. Mm. Um, actually, he died a few years ago. And uh, the authors that I like to read are those who had something to tell me. Okay. and to teach me yeah and i learned a lot from them yeah so so when did the obviously you, you started writing poetry you mentioned there when did it transition into into writing more sort of the the fiction side you know that you where did your path take you towards being a published writer so sort of what what, did, what what took you on that path okay so that path was a little broken along the way in my history, mm -hmm. so um, the first the first try to write a book when I was thirteen years old, and it was sort of half-hearted. Mm -hmm. I think I still have it someplace in the basement. Um, so I never finished it, and I just in school. I remember whenever my schoolmate needed something to write for a play, I would be the one that would go to. Okay. Um, for holidays, I would be the one. So I was always writing something and it came very naturally to me. I didn't mm -hmm. even have to. And then at the age of 17, we moved to the United States. Mm -hmm. So that path was broken because I didn't speak English. Okay. And I wanted to divorce Hebrew completely and entirely because I couldn't deal with the fact that I was living a, a beloved country behind because yeah. of my parents they, yeah. they were looking for a better life sure. and they did get a better life here which they couldn't there they yeah. really suffered um so then um i went to school to to learn how to first of all to to uh, read and write in english mm -hmm. and at some point I, I went to college and i got my and I didn't finish college and then I got married mm -hmm. and I had a child. So right. I was busy raising my child. Life is happening. <laughs> Life was happening yeah. and I didn't, but I continued writing, uh, reading. Yeah. Always loved to read. So that was something that kept me going. And then um, my husband and I got divorced and uh, we were married 10 years later. So we are still married now. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we got divorced, in order to sustain myself financially, I built a business, a cosmetic business. So I was busy doing that for 10 years. Yeah. Then I decided when my husband and I got back together, he said, please don't go back to work, go back to school, get yourself more educated. So I went back to Hunter College and I got my degree in English literature. And while I was in college, I reacquainted myself again with writing and reading and learning about all this beautiful British literature. It was mostly okay. British literature. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
and um, and I fell in love with it again. And then I took courses yeah. in how to write and and um, you know how to express myself. Mm-hmm. And I just since then that's all I've been doing. So now I'm working on. A, I have two books that are not published that over the years I was writing, mm-hmm. and actually I'll go back and I'll try to get them published. And I'm working on this was the book we're talking about now. Mm-hmm. Stolen Truth is my third novel. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on my fourth novel and uh, propensity toward psychological thrillers. And yeah. the book that we're talking about now is a psychological thriller. Yes, yes, yes. And um, we'll get on, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that one then, really, because it's one of the main reasons that you're on. And it's very topical for me at the moment, because like I say, I am sort of delving into it. I, um, I'm a horror writer. I, I'm, I'm much like fiction of a darker ilk so I, I don't I'm not necessarily always drawn to thrillers I must admit I've got some friends who, who really they they go through and through you know tones of, of, of thrillers and crime thrillers and that kind of thing I've been instantly hooked into this one um because again I'll let you introduce it in a second but it's really it's it's the tragedy of the the main character you really sort of are dropped into this tragic event straight away um, where she wakes up and her her husband and her newborn child are gone, um, and it, it sort of very quickly moves into obviously you you experience that with her, but then it's quickly it, it's the almost like the accusation the un, the untold accusations of whether she's actually making this up. You know, it's the disbelief of people around her. Was this where did the inspiration come from? This firstly is it is this something is this a story that you've you've heard in some form or fashion before or, or where, where did the idea sort of manifest? No, I started with a woman who woke up and a baby disappeared and I took it from there. Fair enough. I yeah. just paged the time. The story just kept evolving yeah. in my head. And I do have sort of, I know the beginning and I know the end sure. of, a, of my book usually. Yeah. How it evolves in, in the middle, which is, you know, Mm. Uh, a lot more difficult to write. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, what I decided to do is I decided to drop the reader into, as you said, sure. into a catastrophe mm. in, in the protagonist's mind, because you don't really know throughout the book whether she's delusional or not. Yeah. And, and for the sake of the, the listeners, <clears throat> so what the story is about, so what happens when... Uh, when you wake up in the morning and your baby is gone and then you call the police, your husband and child are gone, disappeared. Mm. You call the police and, uh, and first the disbelievability of it because you know she's running around the, the house and looking, she can't believe that she's really, and uh, she calls the police and then the police comes and say, okay, well, describe the husband to mm. me. Can you show me a picture? Can you show me a birth certificate? Can you show me a marriage license? Nothing. Yeah. There's no evidence whatsoever in the house mm. that she lived there with anybody but herself. Yeah. And so the police says, okay, well, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do for you because I can't go by anything. No. And so she's left on her own to fend for her. And, um, but the thing is that eventually you learn that she, a few years earlier, she suffered from false pregnancy. So now in the reader's mind is, oh, did that yeah. happen again? Yeah. Is that 
something that she's wishing in her mind. Yeah. And but throughout the book, you go on a journey with her looking for that baby, but you don't really know mm. whether she, you know, whether there is a baby and there is a husband. Yeah. And so that trajectory is really heart wrenching because her aunt doesn't believe her. Her best friend doesn't believe her. Her sister doesn't believe her. Mm. She tries to tell them, but so again, she's left by herself. It's, and so, go ahead. I was going to say early on as well, in the, in the early stages of the book that I'm at, already um, she's been challenged by a couple of the characters that you just mentioned, you know, whether whether this actually happened, because there's no evidence. And they obviously, they, they've not been around her to 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 know that she's been pregnant and given birth now all the arguments she comes back with are very plausible that she's telling the truth um you know because because instantly if someone's accused of like well there's nothing here to show that this has happened you you would automatically think okay maybe maybe you know they're having a bit of an episode this isn't really um this they've imagined the whole thing but what she comes back with and how the story's set up with with why she is where she is and why she hasn't seen these people it's very believable so so already you're very exactly exactly so so what i did is i put uh, an unreliable narrator and i dropped her in the middle of this beautiful topography and the topography that i chose we have a house a summer home up in the mountains and it's very remote right so that's nice. where i placed her Mm -hmm. So what I did, I mean, there are no houses around, okay. even where we are. Yeah. So I was able to describe that topography and, and so I'm so familiar with it. Mm. So what I did is I took this beautiful nature and beautiful bucolic mm. atmosphere mm -hmm. and I put that unreliable and troubled narrator, dropped her in the middle of it, to disturb that quiet, the peace and quiet, yeah. the trees, the flowers, the birds. I mean, mm. you see nothing but sky. Yeah. And at night, you pitch black. Mm. If you drive down those roads and you turn off the, your headlights for a second, you'll mm. be lost. Right. That's how dark. And so I, I put her in, in that, you know, mm. whole, this beautiful area. So Dylan, and, you know, nothing, so nothing bad should happen, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And nothing bad does happen there. But with her, something yeah. bad did happen. Yeah. In her mind, I don't want to tell you what, you know, because the, no. the end is really shocking, though. I'll, I'll get, so I'll get, you, you I'll have get to there. continue reading. I will. Because really you won't even know. No. You, will not, you will not even guess. <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's the challenge for a writer mm. is how to string you along. And my, my job is to take every page at the end of the page, you need to turn it over. Yes. This yeah. is how, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is how I do that. I have these cliffhangers after every paragraph, yeah. after every chapter. Yeah. I, quite, I, I like books yeah. that, you know, because I typically, I read at night before I go to bed. So some books, I quite like them to have short chapters that I can read a couple of, switch off. But books like yours, they do keep me thinking. I know I've got to put the book down at some point because, you know, I, I need to be up early or whatever. And then you just keep thinking of the story. I think um, that's probably where, I not knowing enough about the thriller genre, even as a writer, but the difference between, or probably the similarities between psychological and crime thrillers 
is you're always questioning your mind what's coming next. But the difference with the psychological ones, again, correct me if I'm wrong, really, this is just from an outsider's point of view. You're not trying to solve, you're not trying to like find out who the killer is or, you know, trying to solve a crime necessarily. You're just trying to figure out what's coming next for this person. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, exactly. That is the difference yeah. between, uh, between psychological thrillers or just thrillers. Mm. Uh, or just suspense novel. Suspense novel, you know who to go after. With yeah. thrillers, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And, and that is very, very difficult to do. But uh, readers' appetite towards psychological thrillers is very big. Most books that are being sold mm -hmm. are thrillers and psychological thrillers. There's yeah. larger portions. Yeah. People, so people there's like a reason that. why. People probably like that element of, I don't know what's coming, I need to find out, kind of thing, or, or trying to solve things out for themselves. Yeah. Well, it challenges your intellect, it challenges mm. your brain. Yeah. It, it actually, you become an active reader, mm. not a passive reader. Yeah. So, you know, as, as you're reading, you're thinking, well, how am I going to, so you become a detective, yeah. right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You started reading, so you become a detective. Yeah. How am I going to solve it be before the, the, the author tells me what's mm. going on? Do, yeah. do, do I have any clues? And the clues are there throughout. Mm. And you won't even, you will, I, I promise you will not even know what the clues <laughs> are. But they're there. Cool. So you drop them in. And it is, it's a big challenge. And, and this book was so successful. Mm. You know, I, I did everything that I wanted to do and the response that I got was unbelievable. Oh. So it's making my job now with the fourth novel to try and do write it as, as well. Mm. And I'm having a hard time. Really? I'm really <laughs> having a hard time. Yeah, because I'm trying to outdo myself. Sure, yeah. And I think, I think it's true with every person, even with actors and actresses, when they come out with a great movie and really, it's, it's a great movie. Mm. And then the next movie they make, and it's a bomb. You know, it just yeah. you always try to do better than, than yeah. you know, the last thing that you did. You've got to keep the momentum, haven't you, almost? And you've got to, and in order to do that, particularly with books, you've, you've got to force yourself to write something that's going to top the last one. And I don't know. I mean, there's some writers out there that do. You know, I've, I've read... Uh, there's a few writers in particular I've read loads and loads of their stuff and I just keep, can't put them down because each one you know hooks me in and keeps me gripped somehow um, as a writer so I'm going to flip it on its head now so the challenge obviously is, is keeping the reader in that suspense and that and you've mentioned that it's very challenging as the writer so how do you plan a book like this do you do you plan yours out um, you know strictly or well, do you just sort of let it flow <laughs> I try so hard to plan it out, so hard. And then I have these papers all over the place mm. and I can't even find my notes. <laughs> so I have to, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not an organized writer, I'm not. I, um, I, can, I can do the dishes and I will think about the book yeah. and I will think, what am I going to do next? How am mm. I going to solve the problem? How am I going to get that my characters from the corner and pull it to the center yeah. and make a propel the story forward? How am I going to do it? So every page for me and every scene 
is a challenge. So I do force myself, chapter one, blah, 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 mm. chapter two, blah, 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 chapter okay. three. Then I, then, I, then I get bored and I say, okay, let me get back to writing. I don't feel yeah. like doing this. It's, no. That's not the fun part of writing. And I know, I know, you know, so I'm a penster, meaning that, that I, I make exactly okay. <laughs> By the way, are you a writer? Yeah, yeah, I did. I started off. Um, it's, it's been a couple of years since I've actually written anything. I, I think COVID came along and sapped all my energy away. Um, and then podcasting took over. But yeah, so I've written, I've written a few horror novels and a couple of children's books. Um, but I, I, I never set out to be a writer, which is probably why I've never, I can never discipline myself to plan a book because it literally just came out of nothing. And that's sort of, I, I just, I just leave all my books to kind of write themselves almost. I, ha I do wish I could be more like that because I start writing a book and if I can't, if I all of a sudden don't connect with it, I can't see where it's going. Exactly. I step away from it and then it's really hard to get back. You know, so um, do you, do you so, have, do, do you have certain like, say schedules or anything like that but do you have certain places you go times you go to write or, or are you just trying to capture whatever bits you can and then finding time later on uh, well for years what i used to do is i used to pack up my bag my, my laptop and everything and go to a coffee shop mm -hmm. um and then at some point i stopped doing it because in, in we, we live in Manhattan, but we mm -hmm. have two bedroom apartment. Yeah. So one, this room, I made an office. So I find I found that um, I'm saving a lot of time, not packing up and then I'm packing yeah. and packing yeah. again. So I sit here and I have this big window in front of me and I see the skyline and I see the tall buildings and I see everything in front of me. So if, you know, if I start falling asleep, I just, you know, look around. <laughs> Cool. So this is what I do is uh, I get, get up in the morning. I'm a bodybuilder. So I lift, I go and lift weights. Yeah. So I'm home by eight o'clock. Right. Um, you know, I get up at four or five o'clock in the morning and I walk two or three blocks to the gym and then I do what I do and mm -hmm. I come back. Um, then I sit and write. Then I get bored. Right. So I go to the kitchen and I make myself something to eat. So then I say, no, I, I feel guilty. I say, no, I'm wasting time. So I go back and I go to my computer. So I either do research, I do a lot of research, or yeah. I uh, uh, either do it physically or I do it online, or I talk to people on the phone. Mm -hmm. I try to connect with people uh, because most of the stuff that I write about, especially now, is I, don't, I know nothing about. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of time that goes into research. So then I, I write for a couple more hours and then I get bored again. So I go to the kitchen, I cook. Yeah. So that for me, cooking is the best okay. because it really makes me relax. Sure. Yeah. Um, so before I know it, it's four or five o'clock. So me running back and forth. <laughs> and most of the time, I don't even leave the apartment. Okay. And if I, have to, if I get together with friends or whatever, I feel guilty for taking the time and not writing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so it's always on my mind, whether I write it's, or not, it's on my mind. It's a constant struggle, isn't it? I, I, I found when I was writing, I couldn't stop thinking about all the ideas just came to me. Like you said, stood there doing a washing up or I'd be driving to work or something. And I'd be my most productive planning wise up here when I'm doing something else. Um, 
and then since like i say it's been about two years easily that since i've actually written anything and all that time i felt a constant guilt that i'm not trying to do something towards it and that almost becomes unbearable at times and then i I almost resent writing altogether because I'm like, it shouldn't be making me feel like this. <laughs> but it's, it's a hard thing to shake though, isn't it? When you, you've had that inspiration. It's very difficult. And, and what I find, and I don't know if it's true for you, that if I don't write for a day or two, let's say if we have to travel someplace and mm. I can't write for a while, that to get back to it makes it even that much more yeah. difficult. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like taking a plant and it needs attention. It needs mm -hmm. water. It needs, you know, it needs looking at. Yeah. Um, I'm also a gardener, so I have a huge garden. Okay. In, in so everything needs attention, a yeah. constant attention. Even friends, yeah. you know, you call them every so often to keep in touch. The same thing with writing. Mm -hmm. It it's it's almost like you're engaging with your characters and they become your friends they become yeah. your enemies yeah. they become everything in life that you know you come across in real life mm. so if you lose that touch i find if i do you agree with me yeah then it's very difficult to get back to it that's very the, difficult that's where i'm at at the minute i'm trying desperately i've got two books i've been trying to write for the last two three four years even and i've done bits and pieces and then i've stepped away to do something else and um, I've set myself a goal this year that I'm going to complete at least one of them, but I'm still struggling to just get back in that mindset. You know, life happens. I can't keep saying that. I I've, I've stopped blaming COVID now because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> it's about time. Exactly. Life, life, life resumes. But I think, yeah. you know, life, life does since my, I started writing when uh, my, my kids were just before they were born and when they were babies, um, but they're nearly eight years old now, both of them. And I mean, it's just so much more hands-on with them at that age. You know, I find a lot of my time is going that way. But the more I'm thinking about it, the more pressure I'm putting on myself to to actually yes. get back yes. into doing it. You know, the expectation is too much. But um, yeah, I'll get, yeah, I'll get definitely. Back. It's very, very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. what, what, what I do is when I get stuck, um, writing in my novel really gets stuck and I get mm. frustrated. I write um, articles for medium.com. Are you okay. familiar? I'm not. No, I saw that. I've seen a couple of people say about this. I've never, never looked at this myself. No, what, what, tell us more. Some very good writers there. You, okay. you know, you can do that and make money. Okay. Uh, you know, with the clapping. Oh, so yeah. people read and they clap. Okay. And the more time people spend on your article, yeah. they um, the more money you make. So it doesn't okay. only go by clapping, it goes by the amount of that readers read. <clears throat> so I have a I have about four thousand followers so far. I keep accumulating followers. Wow. And that's okay. time consuming. So what's nice about that, it gives me a nice outlet. Mm -hmm. So they have, you know, uh, uh, so under the umbrella of, of uh, Medium, they have different publishers in there. So one publisher specializes in psychology, one in politics, one, you know, different things, yeah. humor, whatever. Yeah. So you can contribute to all of them, but they have to accept you. Right. They see your track record, they see your writing and whatever. Um, so that gives me a great outlet, okay. but it also takes time away from my novel writing. Yeah. 
And as a matter of, you know what it is, that's what it is. When you write a novel, there's no instant gratification. When I write uh, for medium, I get instant people write in and say, oh, I love that and I love this and how wonderful, and they comment. So it, there's an engagement. So you okay. always engage with other writers. Yeah. I should look into I'm it. I'm going really yeah. to, maybe. You've sold me on so that. So it's medium.com. Yeah. Cool. I'll have a look. Yeah, I, I didn't even know about it. It's, oddly enough, you know, the last sort of few weeks, you're you're the second or third one to mention it. So, oh yeah, yeah. there are writers from all over the world. Yeah, all over the world. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that so might just be some what very I mean. interesting people. And you hit the nail on the head there with the instant gratification, and that is where I think where podcasting took over is because I could still be creative, and I can put it out there within a few days, and I, I can, you know, I can start to see people watching it, enjoying it, whatever when it takes you six months or so to write a book uh, and, and get it out there, you know, you're talking six about months? a year. How about years? Years, six there months? you go. Yeah. Oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> I wouldn't say they're any good. <laughs> I wouldn't say they're any good, but you know, that's, oh, that's when I, I was at my peak. I have friends who write books for six. Oh, really? Oh, you, really? You actually, that's really? When I first, so that's only joking? When I first started off, um, yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, it was, bubbling way inside me it came out of nowhere and I just went with it and for about two solid years I would write on my lunch breaks at work and I would write easily sort of 1500 words a day or something like that so yeah to get to one of my novels I think yeah within about six months I had it start to finish a long time ago now since I had that kind of productivity um and and you you just really made me feel better there because I've, I've had a book bubbling away like I say for about three years and I kind of think if I've not made anything of it now, maybe I'm not going to. But then you hear, no, you know, books no, can take years, no, so. no, that's not true. Uh-uh. Oh, that's not yeah, right. that's not true. It took me four years to finish Stolen Truth. Okay. Uh, the book I'm writing now, I'm on my third year. Okay. I could finish it a lot faster, but I'm a perfectionist. So sure. there you go. You know, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not doing it for my living. I'm doing it more for my pleasure. Yeah. Although I think that I should be a lot more successful. I have friends who spend 100% of their time uh, selling their books. You know what I mean yeah. by selling? Yeah, like marketing. Uh, doing books. a lot of podcasts, doing a lot yeah. of pushing. It, it's not in my nature. It, it really, no. yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> but, you know, hey, good for them. You know, they're oh, yeah. selling books. I'm, I'm... I don't begrudge them, but that's not in my nature. No. I can't tell you, buy my book. You know, that's actually yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. What they're doing is buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, yeah. buy my book. That's it. Just, just let and... it sit there and let people discover it and want to buy it rather than it being rammed down their throat all the time. I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I definitely am on. But I think this is wonderful. This is a great outlet for mm. writers or people who tr- have a message mm. to tell absolutely you know yeah. uh, i think that the podcast is something that i love to do that mm. that's nice yeah yeah I, I must admit i am enjoying yeah. it and it's kind of this is what as well as covid this is what i blame for the fact that i haven't been writing for so long <laughs> because uh, you know this kind of became my sole focus and i love talking to people like yourself because i find other writers are so supportive and so inspirational um you know so it's it's and like you've already done within the time we've been talking you know you put a lot of my fears to bed you know that i'm i'm not doing enough or i'm not doing it quick enough or you know and to know that that's just nature in, in terms of writing yes 
Yes, but what I decided a while ago is, yeah, I do feel a little guilty, but I, I try not to let it overpower me because one side of my head says, feel guilty. The other side says, no, enjoy life. Mm. Yeah. Because I used to sit and write from morning till night for years. Mm. And then it got to the point where I said, okay, you know what? I'm taking, I, I, I didn't go on vacations and I didn't go on trips, car trips mm. and stuff like that. Because I just, I was addicted to it. As a matter of fact, one of my writer friends just wrote an article about uh, being addicted to writing. Right. And, and how to, you know, relax about it. Sure. Because then I think your creative juices uh, <clears throat> run a lot faster and a lot harder yeah. if you just relax yes. about it. Yes, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. fully be with that. That's Again, that's where my early books came from and so quickly because I just let them happen. And then the moment I started trying to force myself to do it, like, oh, I've got to get another book out now. I'd look for some ideas. I'd sit here and try and scratch around. And that's when I really started to struggle because it's not organic anymore, you know. But you know what? Like even at medium.com, make a note of it, go and mm. visit and see how wonderful it is. Um, I can write as many articles as there are people who write every day. Right, okay. It's okay. It's okay. You know, articles. It's, some of them are good. Some of yeah. them are not. Yeah. With me, I write an article, it's like now I've been I'm sitting on it for, for a week. So what happens is when I get stuck, I walk away from it mm -hmm. for about a day or two. Then I come back and I see what I did wrong. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. I get stuck. I walk away from it again mm -hmm. uh, for a day or maybe for a few hours, mm -hmm. go back. And that's how I do it. I cannot, because I write about very heavy stuff. I write about politics, I write, I write about psychology. Mm. I do a great deal of research. I cite other people, mm. you know, other professionals. Yeah. So that takes a long time. A lot of the writers at Medium don't do that. They write, they write freely stuff. Sure. So I got up this morning and I went shopping and I, and I went to the gym and stuff mm. like that. That's mm. not what I write. So. So I find that walking away from your writing for a little bit, even with a book, yeah. it does help. Yeah. Although not to stay away, away from it. Not stay away, with not too book. long. Exactly. Don't become strangers. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. They become very good. That's what yeah. you just, I've been dying to ask you a question. Sure. What's behind dead men talk? What's yep. behind it? What's behind it in, in terms of the, um, the, the idea behind it, you mean, or? Yes. Yeah, yes. So, okay. Um, so, I, like I say, I, I started off writing horror, horror fiction. That's, that's really what I do most. And I've since becoming published, I've dabbled in independent publishers and also self-publishing. And a few years ago, I uh, decided to, to launch, it's just myself, but I started to launch under a, a, like a publishing name of Dead Men's Tales Publishing, uh, where I, I self-published a couple of things. And that really came from that. I, this was actually meant to be a video almost like a, a vlog a few years ago is just me talking about my books and that's where I kept the name I came up with the name Dead Men Talk to link it in with Dead Men's Tales publishing and the first two series of my podcast that were audio only were just me talking about my books and um, what influences were behind all my stories and my characters and that kind of thing um, so that was really it it just came it was just basically me talking about my stuff um, 
and I just thought I'd keep keep the name because it sounds cool. So it does sound cool. I was trying to figure out, you know, how how does it relate to a podcast? Is there some meaning behind it? It's it's, it's a personal thing. You get people quite. Yeah. Do you get people questioning you about that? Not, not so much. I've, I had a few maybe to begin with, um, but then I think it made more sense when in the first two series, because it was me referring back to my work. And again, it's of the horror nature. So there's obviously a lot of dead people in it as well. Um, I was a fan as well, way before I became a writer. I was a fan of the Pirates of the Caribbean films and the whole pirate thing. Dead Men Tell No Tales. I got a tattoo of it on my arm. So all of that really just came to a head and I just thought it's, it's the most perfect name. Um, and then when I decided it was a podcast, I thought, well, I'm just talking about them and I'm talking to people. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. So this is, this is your main thing. You do the podcast. Um, it's, I'm starting to try to wind it down, not wind it down. Um, I've, I've done three different podcasts in total. Um, this is my first one. This is like my baby almost. This is, this is the one I keep going back to, but I've done another one about pro wrestling, um, that I started and finished, started and finished last year. Um, and like I say, it kind of took over a bit last year. It became, this was the only thing I was doing. And I really, really just got this yearning to now, I, I need to get back to writing. That's, I think my creativeness has got to a point, my creativity. I need to need to go back to that. So I'm, I'm trying to keep it um controlled this year so i can spend some some months over that the summer and that back in writing but you know it, it it helps me keep active keep busy keep creative so you know and and talk to people like yourself do you keep a journal no you keep you, a journal I, the amount of times i've tried to start doing that and i think that I, the reason i started writing actually i was i was started a journal like a, a diary thing to my unborn children the day that i found out I was going to be a dad I had so much going on up here I needed to write it down so I guess my my love for writing came from a, trying to keep a journal and I've, I'm not disciplined enough I, th I think you know I, I would love to because I'd love to have something that someone can look back on one day or even just me and see that part of my life but but no is it is it something you recommend doing well, I can't say I'm perfect about that at all. I have about half a dozen journals in each room. Um, and sometimes I forget to keep it next to my bedside <laughs> uh, because, you know, dreams are wonderful. You know, very creative juices right there. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, I was watching a movie about a month ago and I don't remember the title of it, but it had to do with, with a writer. And I thought it was very interesting that that writer was dreaming and he woke up in the middle of the night, grabbed his, uh, his uh, journal and wrote down yeah. and, and then went back to sleep. <laughs> and I said, wow, isn't that cool? I wish I, I could that. do that. Yeah. Uh, but I do write off and on and it dates back many, many years. And when I go back to read it, mm. wow, it's so interesting yeah. to see how as a person you evolve. Mm. And what used to bother you doesn't bother you anymore. Yeah. And, you know, as you mature and get older, that yeah. you let things fall by the wayside instead yeah. of really, you know, <laughs> when you're younger, you don't know how to deal with your emotions. I think yeah. that's the most wonderful thing is when you go back mm. 
because as we grow older, we, we want to remember. There's a lot that I don't remember from my childhood. Yeah. And for some odd reason, I'm sure I've had some wonderful times in my life that I enjoyed. Yeah. But for some odd reason, and maybe it's my personality, I remember the bed. I remember okay. the worst parts of my life. Oh, okay. And it's no fun being me. Trust me, no, no fun. No, no. Because, you know, I mean, it's nice to go back and, and remember wonderful stuff. Mm. I mean, you know, because history is a part of us. Mm. Oh, yeah. And no matter what, no matter how far you evolve and how well you evolve, mm. there's always part of you, the good, better, and different that stays with you for the rest of your life. And you can be driving down, listening to music and stuff keep popping into your yeah. head. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even when I talk to people, I'm a daydreamer, okay? Yeah, yeah. And, and when I'm in company, I start daydreaming and they're talking to me and I'm having a hard time engaging, you know, with yeah. my brain. <laughs> and I have to say, okay, stay still and just... <laughs> Do this, do this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yourself. if you have the same thing. I, I do. My mind does wander. I am, I am a daydreamer, but I daydream to if I'm, if I'm on my own, obviously away from, because I work from home as well. So once I get away from this, if I'm walking, listening to music for years and years and years as a kid, I would just lay on my bed listening to my, put my headphones on, listen to music, and I would just drift off to somewhere else. And I think that it's a bad thing sometimes for me because then I kind of bring myself back to reality and it's in some respect, it's probably not as good as the place I've just been, you know, at certain times of my life, but um, <laughs> swings around roundabouts. but, but yeah, no, I, I do that. I do often drift off. And I think that's one thing that drove me to writing because I thought maybe this other place that's going on up here needs to be on paper. You know, maybe that's how I make it more real and i don't know relate to it in exactly a way. yeah yeah it's um no i mean you know go ahead no 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 you go ahead you go ahead. but my husband would get up in the morning and at nine o'clock he'll go to the office come home at five o'clock didn't see what i was doing all day long mm. then when COVID hit and we ran to the country house because with two and a half people living there mm. i knew i wouldn't get COVID. Uh, yeah. It's not like being in Manhattan. So sure. I moved to the country house. I lived there for two years. And my husband came with me. You know, the business wasn't really open. Mm. And, uh, and then he started watching me and he said, oh, my God, you sit and write all day long. How can you <laughs> stand doing that? Uh. He said, don't you get tired? He said to me. And I looked at him and I said, really? What are you talking about? This is my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now he's used to it. But yeah. um, so I can concentrate in that respect. But when I'm with people, mm. I have to work, to work very hard to concentrate yeah. with what they're talking because I get bored very easily. Yeah. You know, I really get bored <laughs> with, with a lot of people. You know, yeah. they talk about stuff that, you know, sometimes I'm not. Yeah, I couldn't care less. I, I I don't want to hear how much it costs you to do the dra drapery. <laughs> I I don't care about. Um, I ate this and this for breakfast. Yeah, I couldn't care less. Talk to me about politics. Talk to me about this going on. Engage me, you know, intellectually. Yeah. Then yeah. I'll be there with you. Yeah. But anything else, I'm I'm bored. Don't just talk at you. 
you know, I think that's that's one of the messages, isn't it? Is people that just literally just directly talk at someone and then move on to something else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ah. So I'm I guess I'm I'm not really unique like that at all. I'm <laughs> sure I'm not unique. Probably not. But it feels Probably odd not. sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. And I think that's that's part of the, the thing about being creative, I suppose. I think everyone is creative. In if they sort of tapped into it, but people who write, people who write music or, or whatever, I think there's so much going on, and you're taking inspiration from so much either around you or already going on in your head. It's difficult to silence it all, you know, to concentrate on life at times. Yes, sometimes it's not as Very much fun, difficult. is it? That's, yeah. yeah. All right, Henya, this has been fantastic. I will have to, sadly, I'll have to wind it down. And I know we've talked about you don't like, you know, sort of talking about yourself too much or selling yourself too much but i'm going to give you a bit of a i'm going to give you a couple of minutes now um just let us know you know let everyone know where they can find you uh website social media and the like and where they can find and buy your book so mainly uh, like everybody else amazon so just go to amazon stolen truth there's another title the same title stolen mm -hmm. truth but that will be me henya drescher Go there and you'll find the book there. There you go. Simple as that. Simple yes, as that. simple as that. <laughs> uh, this is this has been a pleasure having you on. And, and anything you can tell us about the book that you're working on, or is it a little bit sort of hush hush at the minute? So the book I'm working on now, which I had no knowledge at all, but again, uh, world affairs. I'm I'm very engaged with what's going on in the world, and um, coming from a military country. Israel is a military country, yeah. not by choice. Mm. Uh, I have a, I have a lot of respect for soldiers. You know sure. what they go through and what they come back with PTSD mm. and yeah. uh, and and missing limbs and young kids sending 17, 18 years old old men yeah. sending young kids to do their bidding for them. Yeah. So this is something that's very close to me. So I'm, I'm writing about soldiers in Afghanistan. Okay. So my protagonist is, is a female and she was an, she's an intelligence officer, she was, and she comes back with severe case of PTSD right. and um, had to acclimate. They send you, they, they train you to go and fight. They put a gun in your hand, put, they put ammunition in your hand. Mm. But when you come back, they don't teach you how to reintegrate into society yeah. and you're left on your own. Yeah. And in the United States, and I, I know all over the world, I know in England as well, when I did my research, mm. there are 200 uh, ex-soldiers suicide per day by That's gun. That's frightening, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. A day. Yeah. Because they cannot deal with PTSD. They cannot deal with everyday life. Mm. And, and, and they get this, and nobody's helping them. No. You know, so um, she... And there is suicide in a book, and you go through that with her. And um, that's basically wow. what the book is all about. Powerful. Brilliant. Wow. There, there you go. So when that is ready to go, or when, when you're ready to kind of talk about, more, talk about it more, get back in touch, come back on. I will. Yeah, that would be I amazing. Will. Amazing. Yes. Thank, thank you so much for inviting me. No, no problem at all. No, thank you so much for your time. It's been, it's been fantastic. I look forward to uh, chatting to you again. Yes. Take care.